Welcome to the April 11th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is John chapter 10, verses 11 through 21, and the sermon is entitled, One Shepherd of One Flock, delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. We are going to move one step further now that Easter is behind us and uh, the Easter celebrations are a part of the closed books, but we know that Today is the Sunday after Easter, but we should be as excited and grateful to be in God's presence as on, on Easter Sunday. Amen? So I can't see behind some of the masks, but I want you to be excited. I want you to know that the Lord, as Alan sang to us, He is watching over us and He is blessing us in these moments as we gather before Him. So as we move on in our step now, coming back to the Gospel of John, I want you to take your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 10. Of course, John, the old disciple of Jesus Christ, writes this book of the Bible. He writes down the high points of Jesus' life, Jesus' ministry, reminding us that if we wrote down everything Jesus said or did, the world could not contain the books. So by the inspiration and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, John, the old disciple, the last disciple living on earth, writes down an account of Jesus' life. And you know, one of the things that was John's desire was to leave behind a witness tool long after he was gone off the face of the earth. He wanted to leave behind a witnessing tool that could lead the world to Jesus Christ. We have the gospel, and we know millions upon millions have come to Jesus as Lord and Savior long after the disciple John had died, gone from the earth, living in heaven now. But I want to remind you that you and I should have that same desire. Right now, in these moments, we are developing and living a legacy, and we're putting down a footprint in our life for the Lord Jesus Christ. My prayer for our footprints would be, when we are long gone from here and when we're living in heaven, that our legacy for Jesus will continue to live on, and that through our families and through our homes and through our church, our legacy for Jesus Christ will continue to be alive and reaching out to people because he loves us, because he takes care of us. So, so, ladies and gentlemen, whether you're a teenager or whether you're getting on up in the upper years as I am, continue to lay down the legacy. Continue to develop the footprint for Jesus Christ in your life. You are touching other lives through your own life. Realize that you are passing the faith on down the line, just as John did. As we open John chapter 10 today, we see that this is one of the chapters of the Bible that you should mark as a go-to chapter. It has such wonderful information and wonderful promise in it that we need to go to this passage as a flag chapter of the Bible that we don't forget where it is. In this chapter, Jesus assures us of three statements about himself. He tells us who he is. He calls himself first the door of life. We, we studied that the last sermon that we had in the Gospel of John. Today, we're going to study the second statement that Jesus makes in John chapter 10. He says that, I am the good shepherd. We will look at that today. And then next week, thirdly, we will look at his statement that he is the Son of God. Now, as we open chapter 10 today, let me go back to this. In good Bible study, you always know the context. You always know the setting that's taking place when the words are being spoken. Where is Jesus and to whom is Jesus speaking when he is talking about these words and these titles for himself? It's important that you know that. Who is Jesus speaking to here? 
As we study today, Jesus calling himself the good shepherd, it would be easy for us to envision in our minds when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, that he's sitting with disciples. He's sitting with fellow learners. He's sitting with those who are drinking in the word of God. But that's not the setting for his words at all. In John chapter 9, if you remember, when Jesus was in Jerusalem, he had healed a man born blind. And while many people recognized that miracle as a pure act of God, the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees continued to question and reject and rebuke and hate Jesus. These religious leaders' hearts were so hard that they wanted no part of Jesus as being the Son of God. Their hearts were so hard they had refused to even consider him that he had come from God. So these words in John chapter 10 are not directed to Jesus' followers, but rather we are seeing a conversation with the religious leaders of his day. Jesus, in these words, in this chapter, is speaking to his detractors. He's speaking to the very men who are developing a plan of murder to take him off the face of the earth. He had pointed them out as fakes and phonies. They were not teaching the word of God with hearts connected with God. They were teaching the word of God, but they did not know the God of the word. And so they were fake in their lives and phony in their teachings. And Jesus had pointed them out, let them know that they were not teaching in a godly way. And they hated him and the hatred continued to grow so much so that they wanted him dead. While we love hearing Jesus say he is the good shepherd, the original people who heard these words in John chapter 10 hated him with every single passing word. He was convicting them that they were fake, that they were phony. And so they did not love him at all. They were wanting to turn against him more and more every single day. You have to know that truth to understand this scripture. With that, turn with me to John chapter 10, go to verse 11. We're going to look at verses 11 through 21 today. As Jesus is speaking to his very enemies, this is what he says. Go to verse 11. Remember, we're picking up the conversation. He'd already talked about being the door of the sheepfold. Now look at verse 11. I am, and remember, whenever Jesus says, I am, especially in the Gospel of John, he's calling himself God. The God that met Moses at the burning bush who introduced himself as the I am that I am. Whenever Jesus says I am, he's calling himself God. These men know that. Those ones who hate him know that. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd." Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. There was a division, therefore, again among the Jews for these sayings. And many of them said, He hath a devil, and is mad. Why hear ye him? Others said, These are not the words of him that hath a devil. Can a devil open 
the eyes of the blind. May God add his blessing to the reading of this precious passage in his word. As we begin the passage, Jesus speaking to phony religious leaders, he is saying, I am, speaking of himself as God, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd always loves the sheep. And basically what he's saying is, you guys, you fake teachers are bad shepherds. You're misleading the sheep. You're leading the sheep in a bad direction. You're actually pointing the sheep toward hell because your teaching might come out of the word, but it doesn't come out of a godly heart. So you're bad shepherds, and God's people, Israel, are following people who could not care less about the sheep. As I said in the last sermon, you and I generally don't know all that we should know about the profession of shepherding 2,000 years ago in the East. There's much that we need to learn because there's so much imagery of the Bible that's tied to shepherd and sheep. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, if the Lord is my shepherd, that makes me his sheep. We have to understand shepherding and sheep to begin to understand our correlation with our relationship in God and how he is our good shepherd. Look at verses 11 and 12 in John chapter 10. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep, but he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. The wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The word good in Greek is kalos, K-A-L-O-S, transliterated, kalos. And it, the word good means Fair and beautiful and perfect and intrinsically and fully good. Good through and through. Jesus says the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The good shepherd will lay down his life to protect his sheep. You know, the shepherd in the east 2,000 years ago was so committed to the sheep that that shepherd would literally stand in the path of a wild animal who was coming toward the sheep. The shepherd would lay down his life to keep those sheep from harm. The shepherd had ways of fending off danger from the sheep, but the shepherd never ran away from the sheep when danger came. The true shepherd would always keep the sheep safe. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. And in that, we can say he's the best shepherd. He's the most protective shepherd there is. And he wants to shield his sheep from danger and death. Verse 12, Jesus says, there are other little employees called hirelings. In your version of the Bible today, might say, it might say hired hands, but they're not true shepherds. Hirelings are those who were hired just to stand and watch the sheep, keep them in the sheepfold. But they don't own the sheep. They don't love the sheep. They only stand watch over the sheep. So when a dangerous wolf comes, that hireling will run in fear, leaving the sheep exposed. The hireling doesn't love the sheep. Hireling doesn't care what happens to the sheep. He's guarding his own life. So he runs away, leaving the sheep entirely unprotected. Some of them would die, and many of them would be scattered by the wolf. As Jesus speaks these words, he's calling these paid scribes and Pharisees hirelings, hired hands. They were not so worried about protecting Israel. They were not so worried about teaching Israel and the Jews the truths of the word. They didn't love those people. They didn't love the congregation of Israel but rather when a little danger or a little conflict would come, they would turn their back and run and hide themselves rather than stand in the danger for the nation of Israel as godly men. Look at verse 13, John 10, 13. 
The hireling fleeth because he isn't hireling and careth not for the sheep. Jesus is saying, gentlemen, you don't care about the people in your congregation. You really don't care what happens to them. If something comes that's dangerous to you, you will turn and run on them and leave them totally exposed rather than standing in the gap and protecting them. So he's convicting these teachers, and they're hating him more every minute for the conviction that he's bringing them under. Here's another characteristic of the good shepherd. Look at verse 14 of John 10. I am the good shepherd, and know, underline that word, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. Here's something that we need to know about shepherds 2,000 years ago. The shepherd knew the personality of every single sheep in his flock. He knew that one sheep that did not like to go down to the rushing water to drink. He knew that one sheep who was especially fearful of heights. He knew that one sheep that didn't like a particular kind of grass, and when the flock came there he knew that sheep would not eat that grass he knew the sheep that well he knew the sheep that would drift away from the flock when the flock was traveling from one location to another keep your eye on that one sheep because that one is the one that gets away he knew the personality he knew the nature of every one of the sheep in the flock Jesus said as the good shepherd I know the personality and I know the nature of every single person I know exactly who you are I know your needs I know your struggles I know your sins I know your joys I know your talents I know your triumphs I know you I know you through and through I know exactly who you are he knows our individual name isn't that wonderful that he knows our name I am so glad for that he knew Zacchaeus's heart in the sycamore tree he knew Mary's grief on that pathway on resurrection morning. He knew Peter's remorse when he had denied him three times. And he knows my name, and he knows my heart, and he knows yours as well. You know, when I go to pick up a prescription, the first thing they ask is not my name, for they ask. Your birth date. And I said in the early service this morning, when those 22-year-olds are asking me my birth date, I think they must think I am ancient when I tell them what my birth date is. When you go to the electric company, they don't really want to know your name as much as they want to know your account number to track you down. When you call Social Security, they don't care about your name as much as they care about that number. You better have your number ready to tell them what your Social Security number is because that is really more important than your name. But Jesus, the Good Shepherd, knows your name. Jesus, the Good Shepherd, knows you through and through. I'm so glad he knows my name. I'm so glad that he knows my heart, that he knows where I struggle and where I hurt, where I grieve, where I'm, where I'm having joy. I'm so thankful that he knows me that well. I'm so thankful to know that one of these days, today, you know, my name is nothing more than a blip on a, on a computer screen in, in different areas of the world. Nothing but a blip with a number on it. But one of these days, I'm going to watch my Savior open up the Lamb's book of life, and I'm going to see my name handwritten by God Almighty in the book of salvation. That's going to be a wonderful moment, not a blip on a screen, but a name in the book written by the hand of God. Praise God, He knows us that well. The Good Shepherd loves us that much, and not only does He know us, He loves us through and through. Despite our foibles, 
despite our flaws, despite our sins, He loves us. He loves you. No matter who you are, no matter where you are in the world, be assured today, He loves you. That's His word to every single person. I don't have to choose and pick who He's going to say that to. It's a universal promise. I love you. I love you. I want you as my own. He loves us so much that He would die to save us. He simply wants the sheep to follow the good shepherd. That is the desire of our Savior's heart is that the sheep follow the good shepherd. Sadly, there are so many sheep of the world today who are following bad shepherds, shepherds who don't care, shepherds who have them on a pathway that eventually will lead to danger and to hell. And that's why our ministry in this world, in this community, and to the uttermost parts of the globe, that's why our ministry is so crucially important. We call the lost to the one shepherd who truly loves them, to the one shepherd who gave his life that they might be forgiven, that they might be saved, that they might have purpose, that they might have promise in their life that he is going to walk with them through every step that they take. Every person needs to be under the care of the good shepherd. And our ministry is to reach those people outside of these doors. Now, what does Jesus want as his his sheep? Look at verse 16. Chapter 10, verse 16. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. When Jesus first began his ministry on earth, If you remember, when he first was sending his disciples out, he didn't say, go to the world. He said, go to my family. If you want to turn with me, look at this, Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 and 6. This is the beginning of his ministry as he's sending out disciples into the world. Matthew chapter 10, go to verses 5 and 6. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The first part of his ministry was to go to his own family. That's good direction for you and for me. Go to your own family. Take the good news to your children, to your grandchildren. Live it before them. Form that legacy before them. Put the footprint down before them. Go to your family. That's what Jesus said he was first going to do. But then Jesus widens the scope. Jesus widens his arms in the scope of his ministry to include the world. His outreach would widen to include the Gentiles, the whole world of people. You know, in that day, 2,000 years ago, there were only two kinds of people, Jews and Gentiles. If you weren't a Jew, all the rest of the world was Gentile. But Jesus widened his arms outside of his own Jewish family to take in the world of Gentiles and Jews alike, to save every person who would come unto him. Not one person was excluded from the call to the good shepherd. So the church is to call sheep from all over the world. It still is amazing to me that we're streaming now and we can be accessed anywhere in the world with the message of Jesus Christ. I am amazed by that. I will always be amazed by that. The message goes to the world. The church is the one fold where Jesus Christ includes all people. And let me say this to you. There is no such thing. There is no such thing as a church for one color of people. 
There's no such thing, no such thing as a church that belongs to America. The church is open to the world. The love of Christ is open to every single individual, no matter their color, no matter their nation, no matter their social stand, no matter their depth of sin. The message of Jesus Christ, the invitation to the Good Shepherd is for every single person. We can't forget that. This building does not belong to us. It belongs to Him. When these doors are open, He says, let them come in. Whoever they are, let them come to hear the message of Jesus Christ and the invitation to the Good Shepherd. There's to be one flock, one gathering place, one Good Shepherd. The shepherd over the church that we want to work inside and we want to be ministers within Now, as Jesus is relating to these men who hate him in this passage of Scripture, he's told them that he lays down his life for the sheep. And in verses 17 and 18, he speaks of his coming resurrection. Look at those verses, 17 and 18 of chapter 10. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, And I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. So as we see these words, we see Jesus the Son and God the Father agreeing that he is going to die on a cross and he is going to rise from the grave. God the Father, God the Son are in perfect harmony here that Jesus would rise out of his grave after the cross because he alone is the good shepherd. And he alone is the way to God. And he alone is the way to true life and true love. And he alone is the way to heaven. That's his promise, that he is the one way, the one truth, the one life. And God the Father, God the Son agree on that. So as we come to the end of the verses today, as Jesus speaks to the religious leaders about being the good shepherd, how did these men who represented God in a very fake way. How did they receive him? Look at the last verses that we study today, verses 19 through 21. There was a division, therefore, again among the Jews for these sayings. And many of them said, He hath a devil and is mad. Why hear ye him? Others said, These are not the words of him that hath a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? So some of the scribes and Pharisees still say, He has a devil in him. He's crazy. He's mad. He doesn't know what he's saying. But other leaders in the scribes and Pharisees begin to lean into him and say, wait a minute now. Can a man with a devil actually bring forth a miracle like healing a man born blind? Can that really happen? So what we're seeing here is the leaning in of the scribes and Pharisees. You know, men like Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, they had come to Jesus as Savior. Men who had high standing in the Jewish culture. And I think what we're seeing here is there are scribes and Pharisees who did come to Christ. It's not so named in the Bible, but I just believe that to be true, that his love finally broke through that stronghold. Some hated him, but some accepted him. Some realized that indeed he was the Son of God. There was disagreement among those men. But listen, church, we live in a world that disagrees over Jesus. Joyfully, Many know him as the good shepherd and follow him. I am so thankful that we follow the good shepherd. I am so thankful that we're a ministry that follows the footprints of the good shepherd. I'm thankful and grateful to be in that flock, the the flock uh, uh, that is kept by that shepherd who loves us through and through and who knows everything about us. He keeps us and he loves us. 
I know that's the truth of God. And I know that's the character of our shepherd. Amen? But then, too, sadly and sorrowfully, there are so many who are following bad shepherds. Their lives are lost. Shepherds don't care. And eventually they will head to hell. So the entirety of our ministry is to lead the sheep to follow the one true good shepherd. And his name is Jesus Christ. That defines us, church. That is the reason we exist as a ministry of outreach is to go into the world and to share the good news and to point the sheep to the one single good shepherd. And his name is Jesus Christ. But listen to this. We're on a limited time. The Bible says that the invitation is on a limited time. On the shepherd's calendar, a date is set. A great day is coming. Again, another passage from Matthew, if you want to go there. Matthew 25, verses 31 through 33. Matthew 25, write that down. 31 through 33. This is what Jesus says. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory... And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. One day, a day that's on the calendar, a day that is going to come, a day that's already been scheduled, the good shepherd is going to finalize his flock. And he's going to separate the sheep, the saved, from the goats, the lost. And the saved sheep will be going heavenward. And the lost goats will be going to hell. And there will be no turnarounds, no do-overs, no second chances. Period. That's what the Bible says. I'm telling you what the Word says. He's going to separate the sheep from the goats. They will be eternally separated. And never will they meet again. And right now, this day, I'm so thankful to tell you the door to heaven is wide open and the door of invitation is extended to every single person on earth. So far, the Lord has left that gate wide open for anyone of any color of any nation to come to Him and ask to be saved, ask to be forgiven, ask to be a sheep in the shepherd's fold. The invitation is wide open. I'm so thankful to be in the sheepfold. But if you have never come to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to join me, to join us in that sheepfold of heaven, of ownership of the great and good shepherd. Are you sure you're following the good shepherd today? If you're listening to us on streaming, are you sure you're following the good shepherd today? Are you following in the footsteps and the path that he is laying for you? Don't be fooled and misled by some bad shepherd. Don't think it's going to be money. Don't think it's going to be fame. Don't think it's going to be stuff or some religion that's outside of Jesus Christ. All of those are bad shepherds. There's one good shepherd. His name is Jesus, and you need to follow him, and you need to turn your life over to him and surrender and say, Lord, I need you as my Savior. Would you come to him? Would you give your life to him? He's waiting for you. You can accept him now. You can follow him alone, and he will forever be your good shepherd. In the passage to come, we're going to find out that nothing will pluck you out of the Good Shepherd's hand. If you would accept Him this day, if you will give your heart to Him today, you will never be lost again. You will be belonging to the Good Shepherd for all eternity, and your name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life.
come to him. Say yes to him. If today you're streaming with us, wherever you are, wherever you might be located, in a living room or a kitchen or a car, you can say yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior right now, this moment. Come to him. He's waiting for us to invite him to be our good shepherd. He loves us. He laid down his life for us. He rose from the grave for us, and now he wants to be the shepherd. If you need him, you come. Believers, brothers and sisters, will we rededicate our lives to taking that good news out of these doors into the world where it so desperately is needed? I pray that we will share Jesus where we go, that we will lay down the footprint and build on the legacy of sharing Jesus with our life. Church home, whatever you need, he blesses us today. Let's pray. Our Father God, thank you for these precious moments. Thank you that you tell us that you are indeed the good shepherd. Lord, this world is filled with bad shepherds, and and millions of people are following them. But your desire, your heart, your passion is to bring the world to your salvation through the old rugged cross and the empty tomb. And I thank you, Father, that you have set aside a workforce, a mission team, a team of testimony to reach the world, and it's called the church. I pray today, Father, we will understand and realize that our beginning here in worship is wonderful on this Sunday morning, but we now go the rest of the week into the world to take Jesus there. Thank you for this holy huddle, this holy time we share together. But as we separate and go our separate ways, web us out in the world with the good news of Jesus on our lips and on our hearts, Lord, that we might touch lives for you. There are so many who are suffering out there, so many who will cross our paths this week, so many appointments we have to keep. Help us to be faithful and true. Lord, if there's one today who needs you, right here in person, somewhere streaming in the world, even in a parking lot with an FM signal, if he or she needs you, they can simply say yes to the good shepherd today. Because he knows us through and through, he'll know it's true, he'll know it's real, and he'll know it's an invitation of faith. Bless them, I pray. Church home, whatever the need, bless us in these important moments. In Jesus' precious name we ask it. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.